Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a quarantined edition of the Corner Store Podcast. I am speaking on Zoom after some technical difficulty with an incredible organizer, someone who uh, consistently puts on for culture in Chicago and beyond, uh, and recently is uh, featured in Time Magazine, right? which is a, a big uh, congratulations to you, the uh, one of the founders of Slow Mo and many other things that you have attended or should attend in, in the city. Uh, Kristen Kaza is in the corner store. Welcome. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. No, thank you for being here. I, I, I imagine it's been, I mean, Time Magazine, that's brand new, right? Yeah, that was really wild that, you know, when we we got a lot of support for Slomo from Homo, so for people who are, are tuning in that are familiar with Slomo, you'll recognize this for people who aren't. Slomo, Slow Jams for Queer Fam is a, a nine-year now running dance party um, that supports and celebrates LGBTQ people. And our party, our monthly party is at the Whistler, third Thursday of every month, and we've never canceled it in nine years. And I, we didn't want to cancel it and contribute to the disappointment and difficult experiences that people are already having and wanted to provide something that would be uplifting and feel good and also a sense of normalcy, something that a lot of people have grown to rely on for a really long time. So we we hosted Slomo from Homo, a digital dance party from the interwebs, from Instagram and Facebook Live, and we broadcasted it uh, from my living room with DJ BD Girl and then Jack, Audio Jack's living room, and we you know, had all kinds of tech problems, figured a lot of things out, but it was cool. And we had a lot of support. We had like over 5,000 views. And that's amazing. Yeah, we had tons of support with Time Magazine and Forbes. And it was my favorite spot was on ABC because you got to see, like, we had video of people that were interacting. And there were some people who, like, tricked out their houses or put in all red light bulbs. And it was, it, people just had so much fun. It was great to interact with them and get a lot of, support for it and we were able to also raise we, we put tickets online so you could purchase sliding scale tickets five to twenty dollars um or you could donate via venmo at slomo parties our account and so with that we were able to pay everybody who uh performed because we also had dance lessons with darling sheer and we also set aside a thousand dollar fund with the rest of the money and we've been able to continue to pay out to other gofundmes organizations and just you know things that have come our way like we had a friend reach out who needed, you know, hormone therapy, and that's something that a lot of people who are going through it right now and don't have access to medical, urgent medical needs or, or finances to finance really important parts of their, um, you know, health and identity. So that, we had some, you know, did some grocery store runs, supported some other GoFundMes, and it's just been sort of like a great little pot to pull from to try and support as much community as you can. So we did that as first one as an experiment and then of course we'll continue again on Thursday the third Thursday which is the 16th this month um, a little bit different because we'll be more isolated we when we did this it was prior to shelter in place so we were able to have a couple people in the house so it'll be a little different next time <laughs> right. and we'll be experimenting with different tech platforms but people if they're interested can follow Slomo Party on Instagram, that's where we usually update information. Great, and we'll, we'll give that out at the end as well. But you know, you do so many cultural events throughout the city. Wh where are you at now in in shelter as we move into either virtual spaces or how are you adapting as a curator and as an organizer? Well, you know, I think initially I was 
I was um, kind of uh, at the beginning of this big wave of so much online content and entertainment content because we had slow-mo coming up our regular third, third Thursday and about a week out I sort of saw what was coming because of my larger events being canceled and postponed. So I knew this was coming, even though at this point, a week in advance, um, the restaurants and bars, this was the 12th of March, were not closed yet. And we made an executive decision to support the safety and health of our community and to officially and formally move it online. So by the time we announced that a few days later, the restaurants and bars were closing in um in-person service and it all moved very quickly over the course of a week so by being a part of that i think i was sort of threw myself into online content and you know certainly this is you know the groundswell that's been happening and now we're seeing so much of this content but i think at least in chicago we were a little bit on the earlier ends we were able to get quite a bit of participation and support my other events other cultural things such as like Nick Cave's artist Nick Cave, his show The Let Go at Navy Pier, which I was really excited. That was supposed to start today or tomorrow. Um, that is a 10 day run of the artists. If you haven't heard of them, for folks tuning in, the incredible Nick Cave. And he launched it at the Armory in New York last year. They're doing it at Navy Pier this year. And it's this immersive show with a 20 by 20 foot Mylar curtain installation. And they encouraged people to come in and dance. And they had an incredible lineup of hip of, of house music, Chicago house music DJs every day. And in New York, there was a cover. But in Chicago, they were going to make it free. And you could come in and interact and engage with it. And then there was a party that was to be happening a week from Thursday, which is why we were going to talk about I know. I know. So, which was the Freedom Ball. And the Freedom Ball, that's what like in New York Vice Magazine described as like a pride parade on acid. And um, I was programming that with them. That was going to be um, a ball and a fashion show with categories that you could walk in and guest judges and hosts and then, of course, house music DJs. So, you know, that was, that was hard because that was a project. I sort of felt like was the dream project for me. I, I love Nick Cave. I love everything that this project stands for about letting go and sort of the party as being a political space but also as a space to activate joining community but that will get remounted again I really do have faith that that will come back um with the Chicago Reader which is the media you know icon that I've been working with in different capacities for the last 11 years that was probably one of the harder Blows because I had devised something that I'd only just announced a week or two earlier, which was a new cuisine and culture festival called Tropic of Chicago, which was a celebration of tropical countries of origin um, during Chicago spring break. So that was supposed to be the 11th, and we had like about 16 restaurants, all independently owned and all minority owned, because they were, these were all restaurants from tropical countries of origin, so African, Caribbean. South American, et cetera. Um, and, you know, now the restaurant industry has just been turned upside down. So I don't know how that will eventually manifest. Maybe we do that next year and it's more of a fundraiser for, you know, different relief funds or for the restaurants. I'm not really sure. But those are sort of the big things I was working on. And then also MCA, the Museum of Contemporary Art, you know, they do prime time a few times a year, their museum wide party, which I've produced a couple times, as you know. And we had that scheduled for July, and now that's moving to uh, Halloween. So right now, we're I, a lot of people are programming stuff 
for um, October, we're, we're all hoping that maybe in seven months we'll be able to assemble the public in a little bit more of a normal way, but it's really hard to say. Yeah. So n- now, now as someone who, who is, I, I presume, out all the time, either you know going to your own events, planning your own events, or going to other people's events because you're a big supporter of artists throughout the city, how are you... I mean, do you feel very busy in this moment? Are you? How are you dealing with 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 the time? And what is your time in quarantine like? Or not in quarantine, in shelter like? Right. Um, you know, it's really day by day. Like, and it's very weather dependent for me, which things always have been for me. Today is really sunny, and I feel incredibly energized by that. I always try and spend a lot of time walking outside when I can and being by window. Yesterday was really dark, according to Shani Nicholas. It was a horrible day for astrology, so if you felt like crap on March 31st, we can blame the stars. Um, so it's really day by day. I think initially, Slomo from Homo was so good that I did that because I literally just lost all of my work in 24 hours. I had gone from hiring someone the night before to less than 24 hours later, all the work I had hired this person to support me on that I couldn't handle all on my own was God. So um, that was a really, really trippy. And it wasn't even just money. It was, it was, um, it was really hard. It was sad. I felt really sad for the projects that I wasn't going to be able to bring to light or might not ever be able to, because I think some of them just won't ever happen. But I think knowing that we have a shared experience and commonality, even if there's different levels of strain or severity or struggle or access and privilege that we have, this is the first time in so long, and at least in our lifetimes, where we really had this shared experience. So for me, that has really kept me humble and not getting too lost in this sort of path and rabbit hole I could go down on as, as you mentioned, being a cultural producer, someone who's extremely engaged and supportive out quite a bit. Um, you know, it's hard on those days when I'm not feeling so great, that's difficult, but I am really motivated and inspired by the opportunity to have engagements online and the expansiveness of that. And I do really hope to see that when we come back to a time of, of assembling um, the public when we come together and you know in person, that we are thinking about how we engage with our communities that cannot be there. So I think this has been very eye-opening for cultural producers and party promoters, et cetera, entertainers, to think about that accessibility of, you know, I've always thought about accessibility at parties as like, how are we making you know it very known about accessibility, you know, wheelchair accessibility, about volume, about flashing lights, about language, about potential violence? You know all these things that we think about bathrooms, of course, of course. But I never really was thinking about our online community or people who couldn't physically be there, be it because of their ability or their health, be it because of financial reasons, or be it because they don't they don't live there or can't get there. And I mean, for Slomo, for example, we've got fans all over the country. So uh, that's been very encouraging to me to think about like this as this social distancing is through sort of like social justice too, of like how, how we, how these technical tools make our content and communities a lot more accessible. So I'm really encouraged by that. And I'm really inspired by all the creativity I'm seeing from entertainers, hospitality industry and leaders and just be able to get creative and, and have fun 
and push themselves. And for me, being someone that has, you know, been doing this work of community connection, bringing people together in person, very specifically in person, I'm, I'm not very tech savvy, which figuring out, everyone's figured out quickly. It's been good. It's been good for me to think about, you know, how to use these tools. But I'm also trying to not put too much pressure on myself to just suddenly be like a, a virtual world party promoter, you know? Right, right. and I, I mean, I think that that's a good, I mean, we're figuring similar things out at YCA, and it does make me think about people who can't be in the space regularly. Um, of course, there's there's also nothing like being in the, sp- in the space with communing with people, too. But I think to kind of bridge those spaces, once we are able to kind of, uh, you know, as you said, kind of assemble in public uh, or with our publics again. Yeah. Um, so you've been doing this party for, for a long time. I mean, and, and you do a lot of things, of course, but how did you get into wanting to be a curator, a promoter, and and to throw parties of your own. I mean, you know, I think it's been this really goes back really, really far. I mean, actually, yeah, you will really appreciate this. So when I was in high school, I started this club at my high school called Word, working on respecting diversity. Let's go. <laughs> I was in like year two thousand. <laughs> And where where I, where are you at in high school? Where is this in Vermont? So you know it's like super you know super white, but we also had class struggles with having five different towns that went to the same school, and we had you know we did it wasn't an all white school. There was kids of different races and ethnicities, and there were queer and trans kids actually a couple of trans kids even in two thousand, and so for me. I think my mission then was really the same thing it is now. Like you know whatever, almost 20 years later, which is like, I guess 20 years later, which is that, you know, trying to create a culture of belonging. And um, so that was really, I think, like the root of that and coming out as queer, like through that process when I was a teenager and having a space for that. And we actually did like teacher trainings and stuff on it. Wow, you guys were ahead of the curve in a lot of ways, right? That and then also I like was very into theater and so I like produced our directed our school play and then I of course one of the nights I had like a benefit and we had a jazz band and spoken word and like everyone had to dress up and I was seventeen. So I think it's pretty like rooted in that and rooted in theater and and being with people. And then my first party first party party, I'd done a, like a little bit of support and helping different things. It's funny, I was talking about it this this morning on my Instagram live. It was um, called Role Play, and it was a party where it had like a different theme, and it's it exists in a vacuum because this was in like two thousand seven or eight, and it was all in MySpace because that's what was you know, that's what was happening at the time. MySpace was popping. It was two thousand and seven or eight. And all of the content is in there, but my friend would, uh, Gertie would hand make the flyers. We worked at Whole Foods and we shared this like, like little shoebox in an office. They would make the flyers and we had these different themes and, um, we just like had these little parties in the back and it was a micro fundraiser. It was $5 to raise money for a documentary I was, I was producing at the time. And that sort of like got my nightlife stuff going. And then, you know, just doing a lot of different shit. I would take me forever to sister and all this shit I've done over the years. Where, where, where were those parties? You said parties in the back. Where were those parties taking place? So that was, uh, that was at the Holiday Club in Uptown, or Wrigley, actually, in the back room that they had. But we got to just, like, take over this back room. 
and Elena, who goes by Alinka, the DJ, who's like Sean J. Wright's best friend and DJ partner, like super famous DJ now. She was a DJ. I don't even remember what she played because she's a pretty big house um, and techno DJ. She's Berlin based now, but she played the music. I had a little point and shoot camera, and we would dress up in like these weird themes. It was called role play for gender benders and dresser uppers, and uh, that sort of got that started. And then you know, doing parties and events with the reader and the films that I was working on for fundraisers, and then Whole Foods, and then you know, of course, with the with the readers, where I really had a few years to like very much like cultivate building audience um and then in 2012 left the reader to start my company no small plans and have since worked with you know maybe pierre and the mca and the reader and um nike and aso talent a bunch of other people to sort of um use you know what i to create what i call parties with a purpose so yeah, so a lot of why people come to you is because of your taste, right? Your taste level, right? Not only like are you in the you're in the know, but your taste level. You know, Kanye said most rappers' taste level ain't at my waist level. Like that, <laughs> you know, that kind of holds true for you. Um, how 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 are you still you know finding out about shit that excites you, or where do you look, or how do you keep yourself uh, at that cutting edge, even for yourself? Because I, I mean, you've seen a ton of shit. Yeah. Um, how do you stay excited? That's a great question. I think staying curious is is one of the key key things to creativity and output. Like, you've got to stay curious, and that has been something I think that I've maintained forever since I was really young. And so I'm reading all the time. I'm always trying to find out and learn new things, and. I mean, I remember, like, gosh, when I was in college and I would come to your events, and that's when I met you, like, like what, now, let's see, 15, you know, 16 years ago. I just really, you know, a lot of media engagement, a reader, and at the time, back in the day, it was, like, the reader and Time Out and New City and everything. But now, of course, like, social media and following things. It's really hard to say I don't really have a process. I think it's just staying curious and paying attention. And I think being in more of a, like, um curator role what's great about that is that assembly and that instinct of putting things together but remembering to 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 know when it's time to lean back and let the performers and the artists do what they do to make something really special yeah no yeah curiosity is essential that's one of the tools in your tool belt but you've also gone from throwing a party or parties to now your own business How, how what was that learning curve like to you know be able to run a company well, you know, when I left the reader, I was like 27, and so I was like, I, if I'm gonna do it, I gotta do it now when I don't care, when I don't need lots of money, when I'm not feeling comfortable. And we were, we had redesigned the reader, and we were doing all this events and engagement when we redesigned it to sell it and sold it to the Sun Times. So when we sold the paper to the Sun Times and moved from the building that it was out on East Illinois for 40 something years. It was just a really good time for me to go. And what really helped me was that I stayed on as a contractor and I launched their first really large scale festivals called the Key Ingredient Cook-Off. And it was based on a feature the reader had where a chef challenged another chef with like a weird ingredient. So we did that with a bunch of Chicago notable chefs. And that really helped me because I had the reader now as a client not working there full time. And then I built up my client base from there and then had this full circle moment a decade later when I went back to the reader with Tracy Bame, 
became the publisher and it became independently owned and she asked me to come back for one year and so I came back for one year last year and then we moved back to contract again so why I was um, producing the festival I mentioned earlier and I had another four events on the books for this year which hopefully we'll still get to do some things together but shout out to the reader and support them because they've lost 90% of their advertising and that we really need the reader it's really important so anyway that's sort of been that that was my my time frame and so with getting started it was I was really lucky you know I think I had the privilege of having those connections from the reader of different people from different cultural organizations and institutions and I think before there was as much of this conversation around diverse and intersectional events was something that I have been doing really from the get-go not as a branding tactic and not as a save your ass tactic but just because I've always wanted to advocate for women, LGBTQ folks, and communities of color, always. So that sort of just became what it was, and of course also local businesses and supporting as much local as possible. And that's just sort of, I think, how I built a reputation on on like intersectional and you know dreadful events. I think it's like you have a consistency over a period of time and hopefully, like Patty Smith says, it's like your name becomes your currency. Yeah. Yeah, and so why why are queer parties the best parties, and why and why are they so vital? Uh, you know, why does it why does it you know thirty forty years in in my lifetime to being such important gathering spaces for folks? So first of all, I think that most and a lot of great culture comes from queer trans people and black and brown people and and intersections thereof um, because I think that. We and I'm speaking as you know, as a white queer lesbian, but I think we have to be creative. Creativity and community is our salvation, it's our outlet, and um, we've been doing that. You know, that's legacy for us, for 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 all. You know, I think people who come from a, the one one or more of those marginalized identities, and I think for queer people historically gathering and party spaces and music and dance is just just a part of our legacy and while we have like a you know of course we have a lot more social acceptance and a lot more outlets and of course the internet has provided a lot of visibility and ways for people to connect I still think it's so important that we have that time together um and so you know that's really been always been my mission. I think seeing yourself reflected is such important affirmation. It gives you hope, it gives you validation, and we all need that. So I think when you see, when you think about why queer parties are so fabulous, it's because, you know, the the dance floor is a revolutionary space and place. It always has been, it always will be. And I think that queer people will always use music and dance and and gathering as this um, as an outlet for for connection, for affirmation, for creativity, and, and you know, honestly, for for salvation. Yeah, no, that's real. Um, as, as a white person in so many spaces that are non-white, how do you continue to? Uh, Operate in in a way that is you know cognizant of your identity and also you know very respectful of the spaces that you're in. How 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 often do you wrestle with that? How do you navigate that? Yeah, no, I'm glad that you asked that. 
You know, I think it kind of, a lot of times it just goes back to it's asking yourself a simple question, which is why? Why am I doing this? You know, why am I saying this? Or why why am I positioning it this way? Or why do I want to do this? And, and the why is really important to ground yourself. I think celebration has always been such a focal point of my work. And so for me, I think it's sort of twofold, which is like that spotlight and celebration giving platform to other people. And it's also the currency, right? It's also the, the financial element of it because that's that's important as well. Like who's who's benefiting culturally and financially from this? And no doubt as a producer, I am benefiting culturally, socially, and financially sometimes one, two, or three of those things with a lot of my work because I do do a lot of work with very diverse populations and a lot of black and brown and queer and trans people. So I think it's twofold of the like, how am I using my resources and my platform and making sure that I'm also checking myself like, wait, hold on, hold up, check, checking in with myself, maybe when someone's not going to check me because I don't feel comfortable or they get nervous about it or they just shouldn't have to. So I think it's the process of that. Um, I think it's also really important to listen. I definitely, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, like, you know, I get feedback constantly. And something that I really truly believe is that feedback is a gift. And when you think of it as a gift, you are receiving it, you're grateful for it, as opposed to putting up your defenses and you can just hear so much more. And I think a lot of people just want to be heard um, or you know, they want more than just be heard, but that's at minimum and so often when we are in a position of privilege, it's our instinct to put up a defense. But when you when you get in a habit of taking that down, you can just you know receive so much more. So in terms of like how I navigate that, I think it's sort of almost a default that I usually look to queer and trans and black and brown people um, when I'm doing programming because a it's that platform to lift them up and to shift that paradigm of so much resources and wealth going to white and cis and straight folks. So that's just really the biggest part of it. But also, I'm going to be really honest after giving this whole explanation and going back to your question you asked before this, I think that queer people and people of color are, are making, usually making some of the best art and doing some of the greatest shit. And so it makes sense that they, that the people that I often work with and the creative people that I want to put the shine on are, um, you know, from those various communities. So I think that, you know, staying open, listening, and and remembering the priority of using the platform and knowing that your work is never done, like there isn't some, there's no end point to this. You're not like, okay, cool, now I've really mastered this, um, you know, wokeness or whatever. You're, you've, you've got to keep learning and being open, receptive, um, and receptive to other people's feedback, but also doing that work on your own to, to read and observe and listen and to just always be doing better. Yeah, no, that's real, and I think it goes what you said earlier about curiosity. It's also, you know, the curiosity with yourself and the communities that you're entering, and you know, being a, you know, I mean, kind of just generally a responsible citizen. But then, you know, as our identities become, you know, uh, pronounced in, in certain spaces, I think to be hyper aware of these things, you know. Right, and I mean, I'm glad that you mentioned that about the awareness. I think that's something else that is really important because sometimes people will ask them, I think it's good, right? People are starting to get more on this mentality of like, 
oh, is that event for me? Should I, because, you know, I'm an event producer, so let's go go with that. I will get those questions from other right. yeah. Oh, can I, you know, can I come to slow-mo? And I'm like, yeah, but how about if you see a line, maybe wait until the line's done. Like, there are things that we can do. And I think that, for me at least, I don't want to operate from a place of, like, uh, you know, guilt. I don't think that really does a lot for us, not because that's not real, but I think when you're like, oh, cool, this is, this is, I get it, you're saying, yes, I can come, but, like, maybe, oh, I see a line, that's just an awareness thing, and I think that sometimes we overthink this stuff a little too much, and it's something like that, like, you know, you, you hear about an event, and you're like, hmm, is that a place for me? Ask an organizer, and just be like, hey, I, I want to respect what this space is, but I also want to support it. Sometimes supporting it means you send some funds so that you can throw it that way to the performers, you know? Sometimes that means, yes, buying a ticket and not expecting to be on a guest list, right? Sometimes that means it's a packed show and you're going to chill back a little bit further in the back. Like, I think it's about just having, having awareness of, like, your body, your presence, your attitude really makes a big difference. I think when it when people who are trying to be in an intentional space where they can't be in these spaces where they see themselves and feel safe enough in those spaces, it's hard when you feel like someone's coming in and has no awareness of of themselves in that space. So I think that that's like a really good place to start is just like, how am I moving about in this space and in in my everyday life? Because we're so sometimes unaware of this shit that we do. whether we're like going to a bar or on the CTA or whatever. Facts. Uh, do you consider yourself an artist? That's so, that's so funny. I very, I, I don't know that anyone's ever even asked me that. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I guess like, I always just think of myself as like a, a as a supporter of artists, as a, as a champion, a, a gatherer, you know, but I think there is, I will say, I think there is definitely an art, to um, building, you know, community spaces. There's an art to engagement for sure. Um, I don't personally very frequently identify as, as as an artist, but yeah, I think there's there's a, there's art involved in it. <laughs> well, I, I I ask that because I do consider you an artist, and you. you know, for a lot of reasons. One, uh, you know, the homie, uh, the street artist who passed, uh, Chicago street artist Brooks Golden, used to write, "The art is the culture." Uh, and and I think you know there's an art to organizing and there's an art to culture making and curating and you know you do that you know you know really better than anyone. Uh, but also like check your IG. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you stay pulling off like very fly fits all the time. And, you know what I mean? <laughs> Although now people like with the quarantine are catching me in in the home life situation. So tonight I'm actually is a total experiment. This will be later when people hear this on the taping, but I, I think I'm gonna do it every Wednesday, but who knows in times of quarantine things change all the time. Um I'm doing um Wine and wigs Wednesdays. So <laughs> my hair, I was joking about, I wear very short hair. And um, it's been a month since I've seen the hairdresser. And I usually get my hair cut every couple weeks. So I've been joking about pulling the wigs out. And last week, my partner Alexis and I went through my wigs. I have a bunch of them. And we just like put on Whitney Houston. We poured some wine. And we just danced around the house of wigs. And so I made a joke about doing it. And then I guess I am going to do it. So tonight... I texted some friends this morning, Cameron Esposito, who's a 
longtime friend of mine, very uh, well-known now, a comic who just came out with a new book, Save Yourself, which is a bestseller in the last week, which is awesome. She's going to come on for a few minutes and read some of the book. And Kiara Lanier is going to wow. sing some Whitney Houston. <laughs> so it was fun because both those are two friends of mine that uh, moved from Chicago and they're in L.A., but they're Chicago, you know, born and raised. And we're just going to wear our wigs and drink some wine and talk with some folks and I'm going to bring in some other people on Instagram live if they're wearing their wigs it's you know all that's needed so by the time this comes out maybe I'll have you know another wine and wig Wednesday who knows so you can't even help yourself you know what I mean Every everything's an opportunity to do fly shit really you know to bring people good. in it's good I think that what's been cool about this though is trying to not overthink it and I think that's where I've gotten stuck is like ooh we gotta have all these flashing lights we did slumo from homo we had, you know, light set up. Um, uh, Craig Granowski, who does a lot of lighting for Smart Bar, he came to my house and set it up. We had all these plants I had moved around. We had Darling Shear, the, you know, everyone's favorite, world-famous Darling Shear, to dance lessons. And that was so incredible. We are not going to be able to do that as we are now all self-isolated. So I'm trying to remind myself to, like, it's okay to not have, like, a full show and stage in your house, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think people, I think that the, the what is it called, the, um, the expectations are not as high. I think people are just happy to see and have opportunities to engage, so. I think you know, that's well. You're doing the best you can. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think I think we need we need space to do that to see one another and to to connect. Definitely. Um, so so all right. So what what are the ways that people c- connect with all that you do uh, online in, in in terms of slow mo, in terms of your company, in terms of your own personal platform? Where where can people go and, and, and find out about all all the stuff you're doing? Well, I think Instagram's a pretty good way. That's how, you know, we're all seem to be connecting these days. So at Kristen Casa and at Slomo Party. And we didn't even talk about reunion, which is crazy. I don't know what I was thinking, not mentioning reunion. Well, shit, let's do it. Let's talk about it now. So reunion is, um, yeah, man, that's like such an integral part of, oh, sorry, Elijah. Um, So Elijah, my dear friend Elijah McKinnon, and I started a, a sliding scale event space and um, work studio called Reunion, which is in Humboldt Park. And it is a sliding scale event space intentionally created with LGBTQ people and communities of color in mind to make work freely. Um, Space is such a huge barrier for so many artists to be able to make work um, financially, but also, you know, uniquely because of their identities, the things that not all spaces are thinking about to make those spaces accessible. So Elijah McKinnon and I started that space four years ago, um, and we have events there. Predominantly, it's also rented on sliding scale for artists and communities and organizations to use it. We've had a lot of projects that have started there, like Black Girl and Ohm used to do self-care Sunday yoga there did you know that went on for almost two years and now Lauren's in, in LA of course um space babes have done their markets there YCA's I mean we've had tons and tons of organizations that have taken advantage of the space it's um you know it's sad because reunion I think the magic of reunion is the space itself and people being there together um but we're doing a little bit of online content so at Reunion Shy on Instagram, and we're doing something on Fridays called Lunch and Learn, 
and or no that's not that's what it is it's called let's do lunch and it was supposed to be in person but our way of trying to really focus on giving the community some educational opportunities because also education there's obviously so many barriers to education and continued learning so um this friday is a little bit more fun it's a um plant like plants from home little workshop and then we'll have future ones that are going to be about um um like legal stealing legal stuff in contracts as artists um, and other things like that that are just really essential tools for artists to be able to have that we might not have had access to for a variety of different reasons. So we're doing that with Reunion and, and sort of pausing a lot of other things because it is a volunteer-ran uh, space that is a collective of different small groups that pay the run every month. Um, so we really hope that Reunion can continue because it's a very crucial space. Um, but it's really TBD. So when the time comes for us to start, you know, assembling together again, you know, we'll get it up and on and popping at Reunion. But it's, it's going to, it's a little bit scary right now because we do depend on those sliding scale donations and rentals. Yeah. Um, but hopefully in the next couple months, we'll get things up and running there again. So reunion shy for, for, you know, those things, um, slow-mo party. We've, we've got more stuff coming up with slow-mo on the 16th. We'll do slow-mo from homo again. We're also talking about doing a few other things that we haven't announced yet, like, uh, R and B trivia and maybe like, erotica live readings with DJ sets. Wow. I'm revealing things on the, on the <laughs> podcast right now. We're throwing a bunch of stuff around, but that I'm going to do, you know, between those three things, reunion and solo, and then my personal Kristen Gaza. My websites are all out of date. That's one of my quarantine projects is like, update the websites, which I probably won't do. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're not going to have time with all the stuff that you already got planned. Oh, so I hate passive projects. <laughs> Well, you know, we, I, I really appreciate all, all the stuff that you do, both uh, in the world and even from your home. And, uh, you know, thank you. Thank I appreciate you. you for the context for the people listening. We've been knowing each other like 18 years? Yeah, yeah. We, we've done, you know, we've done a good, a good amount of stuff together and, and more in the future. You know, I, I always love, love working with you and, and you, you, know, you, you make great contributions to the city and to the culture. And thanks so much for being on the corner store. You mind if we take a selfie before we, yeah. uh, we get yeah, out of here? Hold All right, I will. Shout out our super producer, DJ Cashera. Big up boss man, Todd Manley. Thank you to our official corner store photog, Mercedes Zapata. Salutes to the snack door, Max. Also, please, y'all, follow our Instagram. It's corner underscore pod on IG, on Twitter. Tell us who you want to see in the corner store. And also, please consider dropping a couple of dollars into our Patreon account. It's patreon.com corner store underscore pod. The corner store is brought to you by Stolen Spirits.